Hi, I'm Marie. And I'm Emily. And we're registered dietitians who love to look at the research when it comes to all things diets and supplements. With years of working with professional and collegiate athletes, we've seen it all, and we're here to set the record straight. On this podcast, we break down popular diets and supplements to let you know what's legit and what's BS. RDs versus BS podcast. After taking a short break for the holidays, we are back in action. And today we are so excited because we're actually looking at a diet that we love, which we've never talked about before. It's always tearing apart different diets, but we were looking at the best diets of 2021. And one that came up was the flexitarian diet. And we were so excited about this because our fellow registered dietitian and former boss, dietitian Don Jackson Blattner, or DJ Blattner, started the flexitarian diet. We had to ask her to be on and she graciously said yes. So we are here today talking about the flexitarian diet with the flexitarian diet queen, Don Jackson Blattner. Yeah, we both worked for Dawn uh, when we were working for the Cubs minor league, and she is a kick-ass dietitian. She is so knowledgeable. You know, nutrition, healthy nutrition can be fun, and it's kind of all about how you market it, which is really important for her flexitarian diet and everything she stands for as a dietitian. So we have learned so much from her. We're so honored to have her on as a guest. And she is the author of two books, The Superfood Swap and The Flexitarian Diet are both her books. And what I love is that a tagline on her website is real food, more fun, no BS. So we knew we had to have her on. (laughs) It's just, you know, that's perfect. That is basically what we love to talk about with nutrition is how can we make it fun and healthy and not a chore, right? No one wants eating all day long every day to be a chore. So Dawn, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh my goodness, do I love that intro. The Flexitarian Queen, yes, the OG. You know that I am the OG of the Flexitarian because when you go to Wikipedia, uh, it gives me that honor. So you're right. Uh, I I love Flexitarian and all that it is, yep. And definitely congratulations on this fun podcast. And you're right. Uh, I always had the philosophy with you at the Cubs and in my own personal nutrition where nutrition science Meets fun. I mean, that is really who I am and what I'm about. So as you said, Don Jackson, DJ Blattner, and the flexitarian diet was really a personal uh, situation for me. And that is because I was always wanting to be a vegetarian. I always wanted to be a vegetarian because everything I read said, hey, if you eat plants, you are going to be so healthy. Plants protect people. You know, be on a plant-based diet. So I was a vegetarian and then I would like sneak a hot dog at a company and then I would like eat a pork chop that my grandpa made like in the closet and I would have pieces of Thanksgiving turkey and I would feel bad about being with my family having some turkey because I was supposed to be this vegetarian. I was like, this is not right. I'm becoming this lazy vegetarian. And so I was sort of in this place of feeling bad about it. And then in 2003, I saw the American Dialect Society picked the most useful 
word in the English language, and they said it was flexitarian in 2003. And I said, oh my gosh, like at that moment, everything opened up for me. I was like, I'm not a lazy vegetarian. I'm a flexible vegetarian. I, for the first time ever, I was like, I can do all of these things that I want to do, eat mostly plants, but not only plants. And this is the greatest word. So I was so excited and went to Amazon to try and buy the book on how to be a flexitarian uh, in 2003, in 2004. And I was like, wait, there is no book on this. I was like, no one's talking about this. And I woke up one morning at about 3 a.m. out of you know a deep sleep, and I was like, it's me. I'm supposed <laughs> to write this book. And so right then and there, I ran to my computer. I wrote up a pitch, uh, and I sent it to an agent. And by the time that all went down, about 15 minutes later, the agent that I had for the flexitarian diet uh, emailed me right back, and she was like, yes. I am in, I want to represent you. I want to represent this idea. I think it's going to be big. It took me years to write it because by nature, I wasn't a writer. So I took a long time to write it. And then finally, my baby, the flexitarian diet launched into the world in 2009. So it's been going strong ever since. And more and more people are in this uh, situation of wanting to eat more plants, but wanting to be flexible. So that's what the flexitarian diet is. Flexible plus vegetarian flexitarian. I love that because that is just really all encompassing of everything. You know, we at the end of every episode, we give alternatives if we deem a diet BS, which up until yours, most of them have been every single time our recommendation for alternatives is like, you know, just be flexible, be balanced, try and get fruit and veg in your diet, but it's okay to have some of these other things as well. And there's so, some benefits. So that's so funny that the inspiration was the word of the year in 2023. I love that. 2003. We're literally like 20 years ago. It's not even 2023 yet. <laughs> it was a long time coming is all I'm saying. It's a long time coming. And, you know, when I first was telling colleagues even about it, they were like, is this where you like incorporate yoga? It's like, flexible. like what, do you do? what do you mean? And I was like, oh boy, I have a long road ahead. And, you know, now there's research on it. People talk about it. I see it written about. And so, you know, it is exciting to me because to your point, all that I'm ever wanting is, you know, to try our best and flexibility allows us to do that. Like, you know, be a work in progress and not just thinking it has to be all about perfection. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Actually, yeah, our first question was, what is the flexitarian diet? But you did a beautiful job of answering that without even being asked. I love it. Well, you know, and I can add to it, actually. There's something that I also love when I talk about, you know, it's the word flexible plus the word vegetarian, flexible vegetarian. It's about eating mostly plants, not only plants. But I also came up with this during one interview years and years ago. I said, you know what? It's a pro-plant diet, but it's not anti-meat right? So that's very different from some of the other philosophies that, you know, this isn't about subtracting food and demonizing food. This is really about saying, okay, you know, what can I eat more of that will support my health, but still be flexible enough to enjoy all the foods, you know, <laughs> like all the things. So I like that idea of pro plants, not anti-meat. Ooh, I love that. Cause like you said, sometimes you just want to go to a Cubs game and have a hot dog. That doesn't make you a bad vegetarian. It makes you a flexitarian. So you, I love how you gave us a little bit of the background of what made you want to be a flexitarian, write the book, all of that. You know, it's been 
almost 20 years now, like you said, since this word came into being. So now that you've written the book and you have lived the flexitarian diet, what were the nutritional guidelines that you felt people were not following that influenced you wanting to do and talk about the flexitarian diet? Well, it really was that idea of in order to be a vegetarian, you couldn't participate in your life, right? Like to be a vegetarian, like I couldn't participate in Thanksgiving. And then I traveled abroad with another vegetarian. Um, and I think actually she might've been a vegan and she couldn't have all of the things that were in this culture that we were experiencing because she was like, because of her diet. And I was like, wait a second. I don't think this sounds healthy, right? Like in the end, is it really healthy if your diet is preventing you from living a full, fabulous life? And it's like, eh, no, I don't think so. So it really was more a, like a, just a philosophical issue more than anything uh, coming up with this idea of plopping the word flexible in front of a plant-based diet. I just love that you said earlier that it was pro-plant, not anti-meat. And I really wish that the word like plant-based, that whole idea would rebrand itself into pro-plant. Like, you know, we, we talk about funny marketing and stuff. I wish instead of like marketing being like, oh, this is plant-based. I wanted to say this is pro-plant. This has plants in it. Yay. I love, I don't know. It's, it's the same idea, but I just love that little twist. I, you know, thanks for saying that. And you know what is frustrating to me? And why I love the title of your podcast, right? There is so much plant-based BS in yes. this freaking world. I can't even stand it. The other day I saw plant-based ranch advertising <laughs> and I looked at the ingredients and I got to tell you the amount of garbage and just fillers and gums and protein isolates and things that were in this. And I thought, man, this is a real bummer because <laughs> plant-based now has this health halo that manufacturers are slapping. They're saying, oh, how funny. Everybody's trying to do plant-based. Let me just slap plant-based on this ultra-processed food that has no nutrition and no real food in it, and people are buying it. So it's really become a uh, new I guess the movement for me, you know, to really explain, it's also about whole plants. Like the whole idea isn't just to buy a bunch of boxed faux meat and be like, look at me, I'm living the plant-based <laughs> life. You know, it's like, no, like what we are talking about is plants. And don't forget that that's not boxed stuff. It's beans and lentils and nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables and whole grains and all of these foods. Um, so I'll tell you, I, you know, I do think the idea of spinning something in marketing uh, needs to happen because there's too much of a health halo um, on kind of junky food these days. Yeah, there was a recent shit at the grocery store that uh, I saw that was a plant-based, uh, I don't know, it was, it was, well, first of all, the company's name was Tone It Up, which was just irritating because it was a cookie company and it was a plant-based cookie. And there was no, I mean, I'm sure there was like flour in it or whatever, but you know, it's it, nothing about that was from a plant. <laughs> it was just lacking, I think it just didn't have eggs in it. So yeah, like you just said, nothing about that bag of cookies was you're not eating a serving of vegetables eating that bag of cookies, but it's all just, you know, the marketing. And I would say that cookie bag was certainly not pro plant. So <laughs> I'm going to start spinning it that way. I love it. I love it. Look at it. It happened here first, folks. There you go. <laughs> 
Awesome. So, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think are the health benefits of following a flexitarian diet? So when I wrote the diet, there was a little bit of research uh, out there about, and they never called it flexitarian because the word really wasn't being used. But in research, there were things about vegetarians that were, you know, not 100% and sort of, you know, a little bit of research, okay? But now we really can say, hey, listen, if you follow a flexibly vegetarian diet, you follow a flexitarian diet, you have health benefits like decreased risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, some types of cancer. There's longevity research here and there's uh, weight management research. So in those buckets, you've got chronic disease and things that people really you know, do not want. And this is a, a style, a, a lifestyle more than it is a diet of saying, hey, you know what? Just get more plants on your plate. These plants will help protect you against all these things. Now, the other benefits, most people, by the way, are flexitarian for health reasons, all the reasons that I mentioned. But many people also are interested in the benefits to the earth, that eating more plant-based is more helpful in our our environment. Also, plant-based eating is a money saver. A lot of times people think, ooh, this is going to be expensive because they think about all of the packaged processed plant foods. But if you truly eat a plant-based whole food diet, it tends to be a money saver. So for health reasons and the earth and your wallet, uh, those are the reasons people sort of seek this lifestyle out. We, we talked to Emily's sister a couple episodes ago. That was a really great episode because she is a sustainable uh, farmer and they have a sustainable livestock farm. And we talked about basically a flexitarian diet. We didn't call it that, but basically this idea of eating primarily plants, but allowing small servings of, you know, if you have access to it, locally sourced animal products and how that is such a great benefit for the environment. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and then moving on to even the benefits that we sort of touched on before is the idea of being able to participate in your life. You know, so the truth is that, you know, most diets work, right? Whether they're healthy or not, you know, whatever, but most diets will work and do something for you if you can stay on it, right? So the flexibility of this allows people to stay on it because they can still socialize and travel and eat their favorite foods. And so I really also find that to be high on my benefit list of the realistic benefit of being able to enjoy food in your life. That is so important. And you know, one thing I love about the flexitarian diet is how great it is at highlighting inclusion rather than telling people not to eat food. Like everything really has its place. You just eat more of certain things and less of other things. So I I know you work with clients one-on-one sometimes. So I'm curious if you could speak to how clients respond to your flexitarian approach versus traditional clinical nutrition advice. Yeah, most people come to me after most things fail <laughs> because ah. they're like, I've tried keto, I've tried <laughs> uh, Whole30, I've tried all of this, and I, you know, it, it's just not sticking. I wonder if the flexibility of your plan will be uh, my landing page, you know, or my landing base or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, most likely it is true that flexibility is going to help you be able to stay on this. So people tend to find this 
plan after they've exhausted a lot of other more strict uh, ways of living. And even though I love the idea of flexibility, what had come to my attention when working with people is they really love, and I do too, they really love targets and sort of goal setting Mm -hmm. and like, Uh, you know what, like, what exactly do I have to do to be a flexitarian? So anyway, I said, even though I don't like numbers, and I want this to be flexible, I do have three groups or levels that I say for a flexitarian, you can shoot for. So there's a beginner, there's advanced, and there's an expert. So a beginner, a flexitarian, you want to dabble in this world, you're looking at about six to eight meatless meals a week. So when you think about it, there's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and there's seven days. So there's 21 meals in a week. And so the beginner is dabbling in that six to eight realm. And so then you get to the next level. And uh, that's probably more in tune with like nine to 14 meatless meals. Uh, And then the expert is at 15 plus. Now, the flexibility that I will say is even though I'm the writer, creator, originator of the flexibility, I'm never always an expert (laughs) that, you know what, some parts of my life, I'm like, you know what, I'm going back to beginner stages because (laughs) I am craving meat. I want to participate in all these things. I'm traveling, whatever it may be. You know, I'm flexible to go back to beginner and then say, oh my gosh, you know what? I can really tell that I need more plants. You know, give me some more lentil tacos and edamame stir fry. And then so I sweep back to maybe the expert, you know, or advance. So it's not really these levels aren't meant to be like, you know, you have to follow them, but just to give people a little bit of guidance about what that looks like. Um, is what I found uh, a lot of clients were asking for. So I did it. I love it. And I think that this flexibility, even within the flexitarian diet, I think that really takes the pressure off for so many people. Because these people who have tried these extremely strict diets, they come to you, they don't know what to do, everything else has failed them. And they're told that this is a flexible diet. And even you, Dawn, who you live this and you've lived it for years and years and years, you have different weeks and you have different months and times of year. And I can just imagine that that is so such a relief for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do uh, have people say that a lot to me that they're like, well, is that really all there is to this? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, you look at your plate. We call it visual wisdom. You look at your plate and you see like, hey, you know, do I have a quarter of it plant proteins or other proteins, a quarter of it, some whole grains, half of it being lots of colorful fruits and vegetables, some good fats on there. And then you call it a day and there's, uh, you know, it's not tracking and obsessing and, you know, uh, everything. But I will say I get a lot of people who email me um, and say, you know, my doctor told me to go on a low carb diet and this really seems like a lot of carbs. And I'm like, well, you know, first let's define carbs, right? So carbs are basically everything, right? Fruits, (laughs) vegetables, dairy, grains, beans, you know, everything but fat and protein, right, is carbs. So basically everything you eat and plants are carbohydrates, right? So it's like I tell them, you know, this is not high carb, it's quality carb. So, you know, when you're concerned about like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm eating all these carbs. It's like, but the quality is what we're talking about. We're not talking about white rolls all day that you're just sticking <laughs> in your pocket, you know, and eating. You know, this is like colorful produce. And that's actually one of the mistakes that I see with people trying to eat more plants is uh, probably two things. One, that they're not eating enough colorful fruits and vegetables. They're focused more on like beige carbs. And then two, there's just the misinformation about having so many boxed 
protein foods that their diet becomes very ultra processed and fake cheeses, fake meats and fake things like that. So I correct those two things. If I have people who come to me already sort of uh, branching out into plant-based, but they need a little bit of, you know, change in direction and trying to do it like with quality in mind. I'm so glad that we're airing this as the beginning of January episode, like our first episode in January, because I think that there are so many people that are probably going to need or this want to cling to a very restrictive diet right now, you know, like after the holidays. And I think everybody has that mentality on January 1st. It's like, you know, diet starts today, diet starts Monday, diet starts January 1st. I'm so glad that we have you on for this because it's so important that people understand that like you just said, you know, weight loss is not the end all be all goal, right? We're talking about health, longevity, just getting protective phytonutrients in your system and having just an attitude towards food that allows for flexibility because what happens come next holiday, I don't know, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, your significant other takes you out to dinner and you want to enjoy that steak. Can you, do you abandon this really restrictive diet that you clung on to January 1st? I mean, most people abandoned it, you know, January 14th or whatever it is, like a couple weeks into January. But if you want to make healthy lifestyle changes, there are ways to do it that aren't so restrictive to life. And I think that that is so important. Yeah. And I will build on that. And the excitement that I see about people changing their why It was not too long ago that people would only contact me and say, can this diet help me lose weight? You know, is this going to help me lose weight? And now, yeah, fine. That's in their wheelhouse, their mentality. And I say, you know what? Flexitarian diets have been shown to have higher fiber, higher vitamins, higher minerals, higher phytonutrients, as you mentioned. So yeah, when you follow this, it is likely somebody may have the accidental uh, outcome (laughs) of weight loss, uh, right? But the real thing that people are saying now more than ever is I'm looking for immune boosting. I'm looking for gut health. I'm looking for optimizing my nutrition and not just weight. And so that's what excites me about being able to talk about this is that it's like, hey, it's not, you know, can I lose weight? Oh, but yet all my body cells are dying of starvation and malnutrition. It's like I'm actually fueling my body cells to be healthy and happy, alive, you know, and so I get excited, just like you said, that it's not this restrictive diet that people lose their quality of life. In fact, they gain quality of life and things like immunity and gut health to boot. And you you kind of just answered this question. But my next question for you was, can you speak to your client's mentality towards food before working with you and then after adopting the flexitarian way of life? Yeah, I I, I tell you what, most people just can't believe they sort of get angry that it seems so easy. They're like, what are you talking about? It's like, I thought I'm supposed to be counting macros and I thought I can't do anything that I like. And this is never going to work because, you know, anytime that I've had success, I've had to do all of these hard things. I'm like, well, first of all, did you really have success if now we're talking yet again and you're still trying to find your way? It's like, no, that wasn't successful. You know, that was a flash in a pan fad that had no staying power. And it's like, yeah, if you boil it down and you know what, it's funny because all of us worked at the Cubs. And one of the things that Joe Madden said, uh, the manager at the time, was this saying called, do simple 
better. And the minute I heard it come out of his mouth, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I do with clients all the time. (laughs) It's like, you know what? We don't have to overcomplicate this, even though that probably would sell, you know, more books and more things because, you know, people are looking for some magic bullet. The, The truth of the matter is, is this do simple better attitude of, three meals a day that are balanced, drinking your water, going to sleep, moving your body in ways that feel good, work. (laughs) It works. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of clients, you mentioned it already, uh, they feel refreshed, um, but also sort of like angry that, you know, for so many years, they've been taught that it couldn't be easy. But in fact, it can be easy and it works. It's funny because I have so many athletes even still come to me, you know, wanting this whole revamp of their diet or they've got something going on. And, you know, college athletics is they're stressed out about school and they're stressed out about their sport and they've got a million things going on. Right. And they always are coming to me expecting like this really detailed meal plan. And like, I'm going to really revamp and like give them some secret that they've never heard before. Some like, oh, what's like one vitamin I can take that's like only you have the answer to. I'm like, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Oh, three. Okay. <laughs> Let's start there. And they're like, well, but what about my diet? I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to like hydrate and sleep before we really make any other <laughs> changes, which you probably don't need. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's so powerful. That is such powerful advice. It's hard to give that advice because you want to be the person who's selling snake oil because you seem so cool (laughs) and so amazing. But at the end of the day, you know, standing on your professional laurels and being like, you know what, I actually do have the secret. And it's like, you know, stop the noise and focus on the basics, people. Dietitians, right? Just doing simple better. I think that's great. So, This, I wanted to ask this question because I can't think of an answer for it, but I'm curious if anything comes up for you, Dawn. (laughs) Are there any downsides to a a flexitarian diet? Because with every other thing on this podcast that we've talked about, you know, the 26 other topics, there always seems to be a downside. Like there's nothing that is straight up. Like if you do this, there's no negatives. It's all positive. I can't think of any negatives of a flexitarian diet, but I'm curious if anything comes up for you. Yeah, it's uh, flexitarian gone wrong, you know, <laughs> gone rogue kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, and that is people come to the idea and maybe don't get the book or, you know, don't look at my Instagram or whatever. And they just think, ooh, you know what? I just got to give up meat and start eating more plants. And so that's where all of a sudden it's like, oh, I eat a big bowl of pasta. I guess that's not meat. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, oh, I eat this bread. It's not meat. Um, So it becomes very beigey or it's just a lot of fake chick nuggets, fake burgers, fake meats, fake cheese. And so I do think that at the heart of it, yes, flexitarian is great, no negatives, but if done wrong, I think, you know, it adds to having low nutrition and ultra processed foods in your diet. The cool thing about flexitarian, because you're not actually like a vegan, you're not having no animal protein. You really don't have those same uh, vegan vegetarian nutrients to worry about. So those are, you know, the more someone becomes plant-based, you know, leaning to vegetarianism and vegan, you have to worry about protein, iron, and zinc. You have to worry about calcium and vitamin D. You have to worry about B12 and you have to worry about omega-3 fats. 
And so with this sort of plan, not taking anything actually out, there aren't as big of worries, but those are some of the areas when I'm working with somebody who's aiming to be more plant-based, I'm going to look over and say, okay, are there calcium and vitamin D sources in here? You know, and even if that's plant-based milk, are they choosing the ones that are fortified correctly? You know, and B12, depending on how much animal food is in their diet, is it B12 in their plant-based milk or where do I need to find that if they're not getting enough animal foods in their diet? Um, And then omega-3s, fish is an interesting topic in this because technically, right, fish is a animal food. So you would think, oh, you know, flexitarian is trying to be more vegetarian. Where does fish fall? Well, because fish is considered, you know, such an amazing omega-3 source of those EPA and DHA fats, if a flexitarian is open to it, we will always try and add eight ounces or two servings of fish each week for those benefits. So I definitely feel like those are conversations to have with each individual flexitarian. Like, you know, are they doing it wrong? And then if they get super plant-based, are those main nutrients, you know, they're considered nutrient gaps in the plant-based diet. You know, how, how are those looking? Yeah, you, you bring up such a good point because that's so true with any pure vegetarian or vegan diet. It almost has to be supplemented in certain cases with specific supplements, B12, omega-3s, things like that. But how great that people have you as a resource that, okay, you could be flexitarian, but let's make sure you're getting all of these things that might be low if you're not eating as much animal protein because you can still get it from food. And as dietitians, we're always pushing to get get it from food first and supplement second. Um, Do you find that you work with anyone who would benefit from supplements or do you ever recommend supplements or do you really try to do it with food as much as possible? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I say that all the time too. Food first, always food first. The word supplement even means in addition to. So to supplement means in addition to. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to have that solid base um, but yeah, I mean, even if somebody's not a flexitarian, even a regular old-fashioned omnivore may need supplements depending on how much they are eating or liking fatty fish, you know, like the salmon and the mackerel and the anchovies and, um, you know, sardines. Those are fatty fish that not everybody's eating. So flexitarian or not, oftentimes, you know, we'll really have conversations about omega-3 fats. We talk about fermented foods first, but, you know, some people uh, will talk about probiotics. So, you know, there are supplements that I do use, but rarely is it just because someone is a flexitarian. It it really is just because those are things that, you know, just being a a regular American eater, you (laughs) tend to need. One of the benefits that you talked about at the very beginning of this was the benefit to the wallet, which I think when people think about a diet that is rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, I think sometimes they think, oh, I can't afford that. So what would be some really quick tips that you could give for someone that might be in that situation? Yeah. Well, the first thing is if you look at your grocery bill, the highest price items are animal foods. So Mm -hmm. those for sure are by swapping to beans and lentils and things. That is just that one change is helpful and why this tends to be more of a budget-friendly, wallet-friendly sort of eating style. And the big thing would be is not to focus on swapping those animal proteins to box things that are equally expensive, but to looking at beans 
and lentils, even the ones in cans that are already cooked, you know, like of course beans and lentils that are in bags that you cook are even less expensive than the canned versions. But canned versions, you just rinse and drain. 40% of the sodium can wash down the drain or buy low sodium versions. And you can do everything with beans and lentils. And there's a million types of beans. There's a million types of lentils. So that right there is huge. Then when it comes to fruits and vegetables, I'm a big believer in eating for the season, not just because they taste the best, but because those are what are plentiful and tend to be on sale because of, you know, cost of supply and demand, right? There's a ton of them. So they tend to be cheaper. So, you know, walking into a store with a loose uh, meal plan, like thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to have stir fry, but then letting the sale signs, which also means you're eating in season generally, letting those sort of speak to you about what you may put in to that stir fry. And then, you know, everything that's pre-cut and pre-cleaned is going to be more expensive. So trying to say, if I'm going to save money, maybe I'll cut the carrots myself, I'll cut the broccoli myself, I'll wash the greens myself. Because you will save money putting in that effort. Now, the other thing comes to mind that if you do buy all those things and you don't actually cut and clean them and then you just throw them away, that is the most expensive mistake that we can all make uh, (laughs) is food waste. Right. Mm -hmm. Food waste is uh, where most of us are really wasting money. And so, you know, paying attention to all of those tips we know of like shopping with a plan. So you're not just buying random things. Do not put them in your crisper so that you forget about them and lose them. You know, wash them, clean them and put them in eye level in your fridge. Have them in clear containers so you can see it. Have one day a week where you're saying, okay, this is, you know, leftover day. I literally just pull everything out of the fridge and say, I don't know how this all goes together. Let's just put it on our plate and finish it. You know, it's just like a random mishmash. Well, you know, nowadays we can call those snack boards or dinner boards or uh, charcuterie boards when you have like leftover pieces of chicken and random bean cans open and you have to just put it pretty on a, on a board and you can call it, a, you know, your version of a, a leftover charcuterie board. So, uh, you know, so I think those are some key things to consider is that idea of swapping to pure plant protein, uh, not the processed kind, looking at all those vegetables um, and how to save money there and really paying attention to food waste. That just reminded me, you know, on your Instagram, which is DJ Blattner, we'll, we'll tag you in all the different things so that people can follow you, but go follow Dawn because she has some amazing tips on her Instagram that ones are coming up for me that here's the difference in food if it's gone bad or if it's just turning bad and things that you can do and things like making ice cubes with the greens and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, that's, that just popped up to me in my mind. Like you, you have a lot of great tips on your Instagram of things that people can do to avoid the food waste, which I think is, I think is really cool to bring that into the whole flexitarian mindset. Yeah, thank you. And you're right. I highlighted that uh, in my Instagram highlights is called spoiled produce, because that's one of my most popular posts of all time is uh, what to do with almost spoiled food. Like I'm not really encouraging you to eat totally rotten food. Right? It's not like, oh, I listened to this podcast with this chick telling us to eat rotten food. It's like, no, I'm not exactly saying that. But I mean, there are times where it's like, you know, less than perfect, but not quite trash worthy that it's like, oh, you could still do something with it. You know, I think all of us know, like, you know, a, a brown banana can turn into a beautiful banana loaf. But, you know, there's all sorts of examples of that. Yeah. And I think a great example of 
again, going back to this pro veggie thing, pro plant thing, I think there was one about uh, making sauces with with plants, like with uh, spinach and stuff like that. Um, it might've been a while back, but just finding new creative ways to incorporate plants that you otherwise would just throw in the trash can. So, uh, yeah, that happened to us on Thanksgiving. One of the things I'm responsible for is, well, I, you know, that I enjoy doing is roasting vegetables for the family's table. And we always do carrots as one of the vegetables. And we usually buy the ones with carrot tops because I like to have that little bit of green on there. I feel like it looks like such a cute roasted veggie tray when there's, you know, a little green, but then we usually throw away the carrot top greens. Like what? And I'm like, this cannot be. So you're right. Uh, We did carrot top uh, chimichurri this year and it was awesome. And it was like, I just turned my trash into treasure. So I'm, I'm trying to be more thoughtful about that in my own life. So that's where a lot of these posts come to be is that, you know, I'm really trying to be more thoughtful of that. Okay. So I think you've kind of answered this, but I am curious, is anything off limits on the flexitarian diet? Okay. So by the true heartbeat of the plan, it's like, no, nothing's off limits. But the the things that we're trying to reduce or limit include, you know, chicken, turkey, pork, beef, right? Like the animal proteins, great. But also refined grains. Oh my gosh. Like if I was going to, you know, have some sort of like next evolution of this, it would really be focusing way more on helping people understand how many whole grains are out there, how to find whole grains, and that, you know, it shouldn't be your whole plate, but, you know, a quarter of your plate coming from whole grains instead of the refined version. So, Yes, refined version is in, in, on our like limit. Uh, and then processed foods. Uh, you know, I've talked about it several times of just, you know, not thinking that you can go and be plant-based by just getting a bunch of salad dressing labeled plant-based and crackers <laughs> labeled plant-based and like, you know, chips plant-based or whatever is, you know, paying attention that it's, you know, the real food. So those are like the three categories. Usually when somebody says, isn't there anything you are supposed to limit? And it's like, yeah, you know, refined grain, ultra processed food, and some of those like chicken, turkey, beef, pork meats, again, not to eliminate, but, you know, just to use more sparingly. The salad dressing kills me because first of all, it's like you're putting this on a salad. So are you not like, do you really need a plant base? And who is like grinding up beef and putting it in their salad dressing? (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. Well, you know, it really is. It's like you said, and the plant-based cookies or whatever, it's their new version of saying dairy-free. It's their new version of saying egg-free is that, you know, this plant-based is such a hot term right now that people are just popping it on labels because they know people will buy it because uh, it says this hot button, you know, name. And so that's why it's so important, you know, your shows, you know, others like it that, you know, are calling attention to products that are, you know, like how you say shit in the grocery store that I find. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's an important thing for everybody to know is, you know, it could label itself and look fabulous, but upon inspection of ingredient list, there's actually no food in here. <laughs> like, it's like, oh. So what is your favorite flexitarian meat swap? Okay. So I, when I do the flexitarian diet with clients or I do articles on it, I usually say there's three steps to becoming a flexitarian. So the first one is just reportioning your plate. So keep everything that you're eating, but instead of, you know, a 16 ounce steak, you know, it's uh, (laughs) three ounces, right? So it's like, 
you know, bottom line is you can eat what you're eating, but thinking about reducing the meat, but increasing the plants, like, and having a little bit of bigger salad with that, for example. So that would be step one. Step two is the swaps. And this is where you could take any of your favorite meals and start thinking about some or all of the meat in it to swap to some sort of bean. So I'll talk about some of my favorites. And then the third step to becoming a flexitarian is trying new recipes once a week. One new plant-based recipe, vegetarian, vegan-ish, whatever, from friends, family, internet, whatever. If you did that once a week, you would have at the end of a year, 50 new recipes that were more plants. And of those, I'll tell you what, you're not going to like all of them. (laughs) I don't like everything I make, but you're going to come up with like, you know, maybe 10 that are literally you, your family's favorites. They become incorporated into who you are as an eater. You love them so much. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I am more flexitarian. Uh, You know, just after trying that one plant-based recipe each week, that's new and adds to your repertoire. So those are my three steps. And in that step number two, the swaps, This is one that I find to be the most fun because you take what somebody already loves to eat and you say, let's try and get more plants in there. So one of my absolute favorites, I just think it's the easiest and the most fun. I love tacos. I mean, don't trust anybody who doesn't love a taco. Like I love tacos, (laughs) right? And it's so easy to take ground beef out and put in lentils and season them like you would your ground beef. They sort of, and brown lentils like look like ground beef. And it's like all of a sudden you can have your taco seasoned tacos, but now you're getting plant-based protein of lentils in there. But you can do that with other themes of eating. So that's more on like a Mexican style meal. So I like that swap. I also like the swap of like if I was doing stir fry, chicken stir fry, shrimp stir fry, I could swap in edamame for a more Asian style theme of like a stir fry. Or if I was doing Italian food, I could take out the meat-based sauce and I could crumble up tempeh, like the fermented soybean in there. Or I could do something so easy like a plant-based pasta, like a chickpea pasta or black bean pasta to get in my plant protein instead of the meat sauce. Lunch meat is the hardest, I will tell you. And so I do a lot of not hummus lunches, but like mashed bean salad, sort of like an egg salad, chicken salad, tuna salad vibe, where you mash up beans and you make it sort of into one of those salads for a lunch. So you can do so many of these swaps where it's either all of it or it's 50%. Like, uh, you know, those blended burgers that are hot on the market now that are part meat and part like bean. Those are a fun sort of like perfect flexitarian food because it's part meat and part bean. So that's swapping. Uh, I call it bean math. And bean math <laughs> is for every one ounce of meat that you swap out, it's about a quarter a cup of cooked beans or lentils. So when somebody's trying to do some of these swaps on their own, that sort of gives you a good guideline of like, okay, if I take out an ounce of meat, oh, I'll put in about a fourth of a cup of cooked lentils or cooked beans. And most of the time, I mean, when I say most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm doing things that are in a can already cooked and I just rinse them and pop them in stuff. People do cook beans from scratch and you can put them in a crock pot and I have all of those recipes. But I mean, there's nothing easier than, you know, having a can of beans and just opening it <laughs> and rinsing it. Exactly. Yeah, it's making it easy too. I think that's so important. So we have a kind of a fun question. What is your favorite flexitarian meal? 
Well, I think I gave it away already that I'm a taco lover. So I feel like lentil tacos, if you come to my house, so I have some girlfriends from the gym and, you know, we were going to each other's houses and doing things. And so I threw a swim party this summer where I have a pool at my condo. So we all did pool aerobics and then came in, had green juices. And I served my favorite meal, which was lentil tacos. So I had the lentil seasoned in my taco seasoning mix that I love. And then I had like quinoa out so someone can make a bowl. I had some chips out so people can make like a little nacho plate with it. I had every kind of cut up cabbage and made my own salsa and guacamole and like all sorts of different kinds of salsas. There's different kinds of tomatoes out there, purple cabbage, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it was like, make your own taco bar that I mean. There is nothing more fun, I think, for like my friends, for me, for family, because then people can really pick what they like and make it. So that's, I I always think that's my favorite, but I have a lot of flexitarian recipes on my website. And in fact, for people who really want to start and are like, I have no idea. This is somebody told me this the other day, you know, thank you for helping me because when I first was trying to do plant-based diet, it sort of felt like a foreign language. Like I didn't understand how to do it. And so I created this just three day sample flexitarian plan of like the most basic things you could put together and be a flexitarian. Um, and it's free on my website that people can sort of see like, Oh, avocado toast could be plant-based in the morning. Or like I could have a burrito bowl for lunch. Like that's cool. Or I could have a stir fry at dinner with edamame. And so it just reminds people that this isn't as hard as it may seem. You can still eat many of your most, all of your favorite foods, you know? It sounds like as long as people kind of get familiar with maybe three, four more foods that maybe they're not currently doing, you know, it's not like you're over here saying, go find this super obscure vegetable that is only in season once a month and you have to get to go to Whole Foods to get it. You know, it's canned beans. Everybody has access to that. You might not know what the word is, but once you familiarize yourself with that food and what you can do with it, it's kind of more just reintroducing yourself to a couple of new ingredients that can turn into a bunch of different meals. Yeah, absolutely. And Flexitarian Diet was my first book and I loved it. But then the thing that made me write the second book, book, Superfood Swap, was about how people decided what to eat. So I was watching, you know, like how people were eating these plant-based meals and they were just eating them because it was like checking boxes of what they should be eating, right? This is plant-based, this has vegetables, whatever. And I was like, oh boy, this is uh, there's a missing piece in here that I think everybody needs to start with. What do I want to eat? What do I want to eat? Not what should I eat? What do I want to eat? And then take what you're craving, take what you want and make it with superfoods that are plant-based, right? So that's where my second book came from. Still flexitarian. All the recipes are flexitarian, but it really is to say, wait just a minute. Like, don't just make a stir fry because it has plants in it. Like if you want to eat pizza, there's a way to make the best kale pizza around and you need to (laughs) lean into that. So eat what you crave, but just making it with superfoods is sort of the flexitarian diet. Uh, Next version is making sure that people really are loving the food because it taps into natural motivation. So people are like, oh, how do you stay motivated to stick with it? It's like, oh, guess what? You don't have to try to stay motivated because you're eating food you like. So guess what? You want to keep eating it. You don't have to try to stay on it because you like it, you know? So you keep doing it because you like it and it feels good. Um, And so that's part of what I really love is to, to make sure you're loving the food and then it's really easy to stick with it. You recently posted a sushi swap 
And I'm not going to lie. I tr- like literally <laughs> went out and made it the next, next day. <laughs> I was like, that looks amazing. That's <laughs> right. I was craving sushi. And so I was like, you know what? I need to get myself uh, some sushi right now. And I was like, I bet you I could do it where, you know, it's got sort of like a shortcut version. I could just have this for lunch real quick. And so I, I really, I am never stumped. I, and somebody can tell me what they crave. <laughs> and there is always a way to upgrade, up level, up swap something in there to make it more vegetables or more plants or just more nutritious, but yet still stay true to that craving for sure. And I think there's also something to be said about the fact that, you know, let, so going back to the pizza example, you know, it, not that there's anything wrong with like going out and getting Domino's every once in a while or whatever, if you're going out for pizza with your family. But I do think sometimes people walk away from those meals feeling really gross. And if that becomes the bulk of your diet, that grossness feeling just kind of like follows you through your life. Whereas when you're eating food that is created with whole grains and plants and, you know, maybe a small portion of meat, whatever it is, you know, you walk away eating the kale pizza or whatever. You don't feel that grossness and that like lethargy that you necessarily feel with something that's like been ultra processed and like tons and tons and tons of saturated fat as well. And I think that that in itself is like a little bit of, not motivation, like you said, like just an enjoyment of like, oh, I'm looking forward to this meal. And after this meal, I also feel really good. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because the intention of a swap is always to feel good, right? To feel good while you're eating, to feel good after and not in a restrictive diety deprivation sense. And so I do with people, I say that true balance, if you really want to eat a balanced diet, it has to both satisfy your physical optimal health and your mental satisfaction. It must be both. And if you look at your plate and it is too one-sided, it's either too wild child and not enough nutrition or too much nutrition and not enough wild child, you are not going to be in balance. Like balance has to be mind and body. It has to be. And you get better and better with this as you practice. And I would never tell someone to make a swap. I always say, test this for yourself. Never believe me. Never believe anybody, in fact. Make (laughs) sure you test. The word test is such a beautiful word. Test. Test it out. So I'm never going to say, oh, drink this much water. I'm going to say, hey, test this out. Drink this much water and see if you feel better. You know, test out the swap. See if you eat this, if you love it, it for both mental and physical reasons. Like you test it and find out what is true balance for your body. And that is when you feel your best. You know, it's not one side versus the other. It has to be both. Yeah. That is so important and so key just for long-term sustainability. So preach. All right. So uh, we usually do this at the beginning of the episode, but we are going to keep Dawn on for a couple more minutes to talk about shit that we saw at the grocery store. So, you know, we've talked a lot about today about plant-based. Does that mean anything? And so Dawn, here in a minute, we're going to have you pipe in of what your most annoying thing that you see at the grocery store marketing-wise is. But real quick, so some shit I saw at the grocery store this week. This was a Keto blend, walnut oil, and extra virgin olive oil. This was something I saw at Kroger, and it was just sitting in the middle of the oils. I went to the store, I had to get some more olive oil, and I just saw it there in the middle of all the other oils. And I just thought to myself, isn't all oil technically keto if you are following a keto diet, right? Like, it's all just fat, 100% fat. But that doesn't make it 
quote keto. It just that that's what oil is. We've had an entire episode on oils, right? And there's nothing about this blend that makes it particularly good for people that are following the keto diet, right? It's literally just a blend of two oils. You could probably find, I didn't look, but you could probably find this exact same blend not marketed as keto. And one thing I just really want to highlight is the fact that this bottle costed $2 more than the oil that was sitting right next to it. That again, if you're looking for something that's high fat is going to be the exact same thing. So that was the funny shit I saw the grocery store this week, a 100% fat oil being marketed as something that you need health wise because it's keto. It just, it's absolutely asinine. So Don, I'm going to turn it over to you. We've talked a lot about plant-based and so maybe that's your answer, but what is some shit that you've seen at the grocery store recently that marketing wise that just really aggravates you? Yeah. I love that you do this uh, segment because it really is informative, right? And it shows what health halo marketing can do, right? So putting a word that is a buzzword on something allows people to sell shit and sell shit at a higher price. (laughs) So the idea of us being savvy and saying, wait a second, I'm not going to look at the front of a package for the word keto, for the word plant-based. I am always going to turn it over. I am always going to look at the ingredients and I'm always going to make my 100% decisions from the ingredient list not from advertising. And that is the smartest shopper. And so you're absolutely right. Anytime I see a health halo word on the front, that gets people buying something at a more expensive price that probably is garbage most of the time is incredibly frustrating. So I'm glad that I'm a dietitian out there teaching people how to read ingredient lists um, so that we can be the savvy shoppers that we need to be. We're out of questions and I think we're about to wrap up, but I do want to go back to something uh, we, were, we were talking about. I think Emily was asking about supplementation and we were, you were talking about all the micronutrients that were in animal-based foods. And, you know, you, you work with people to, if you are going to make these swaps, making sure you're identifying some of those as well. And just our entire conversation, it just brings back to home to me, like, this is why working with somebody or using resources of somebody that is a dietitian, or at least like has this actual nutrition medical background is so important, especially again, kind of going back to how we're in the new year of you're going to see all these crazy fad diets of all these fitness influencers. And just because they have a six pack doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. And it doesn't even mean that they're healthy. We don't know how they got there. And you know, it's just so important that if you are wanting to work one-on-one or seek out resources and books, just making sure that all these things we've touched on, sustainability, flexibility, getting actual food, focusing on health, focusing on, you know, roundness of your meals, like that's just, that really hits home of how important that is for making lifestyle and dietary changes. Um, may I actually, I'm going to stand and give you a standing <laughs> ovation. Yay, me too. I'm clapping too. Yeah, that was a standing, a standing ovation. Yes. Uh, I second all of that. So yeah, I mean, it's January is such like just a frustrating time of year on social media for me. So, and I think for, for a lot of us, do you, Dawn, have anything else that you'd like to share about the flexitarian diet, nutrition in general, anything we haven't touched on? And um, we can also go ahead and take this time to plug you, your social media, uh, where to find you, where to connect with you. Yeah, I, I really do think if things have failed you, 
flexibility is what you need, whether that's the flexitarian diet or not. Like the word flexible, flexible mindset, flexible nutrition, flexible exercise program, whatever it is, it really is a safe place to land. And so, yes, I, I encourage everyone to think about flexibility and how they can add that into their uh, world for 2022 and beyond. Yes, I love that. I'm already thinking about ways that I can be new, more flexible in the new year. The edamame stir fry sounds really good. So I'm getting hungry talking about food as always. But Dawn, <laughs> where can people where can people connect with you? Your Instagram, website, where they can get your books, all of it. Yeah, the best place, my hub, is djblattner.com. So that's my website where you can click into my social media. You can click into buying my books. You can do everything from that hub. So djblattner.com. And then if you are a big Instagram fan, that's where I hang most of the time. So at djblattner on Instagram as well. And we'll definitely tag you, Dawn, in our Instagram. We'll put it up on the show notes, on the website, all of the things. So listeners, you'll easily be able to find... Find whatever you need to connect with Dawn. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate having you on. This has been such a great episode. And I'm always inspired by you. I'm always inspired by your Instagram posts. Like I said, I've, I've tried a couple of your things. But um, just having this conversation, it makes me want to go to the grocery store and look at my seasonal veggies. So it's always so great to connect you with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I think our listeners will gain a lot from this episode. Thank you for having me. And you know, I love you and I love your podcast. So thank you. Yay. This has been awesome. Thank you again, Dawn. And thank you listeners for listening. Please do go check out Dawn. She's got a lot of awesome stuff on her website. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your suggestions on topics. We've got a whole year's worth of episodes coming up. But until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Marie. And don't let the BS get the best of you.